your problem right there. It's not the main locus. That is the main problem. No, it's not. Oh, yeah, that is. I got up this morning to jog. I did two and a half miles. And did a little basement workout. That ain't really nothing, but it. I think it made me more tired. I'm just tired. I just been th- like I get up in the morning. Did you I'm stay all right. Up late? No, not really. Not last night. Last night I got up. Like I went to bed relatively early. This morning I got up. I felt all right. Mm. And after I ate, man, it's a wrap after that. Mm. Just levels are just low. I'm trying to change doctor. my diet, so I wonder if that's it. What are you changing it to? No beef, no chicken. Pause. No beef, no chicken, though. No turkey. You ain't getting no chicken. Nah. I'm trying, stay trying to get that chicken. Oh, that's a what, pescatarian? <laughs> trying to be a pescatarian for a little bit, but not for no, I mean, I'm just really just trying to get back in shape. COVID, I had gained a few pounds that I didn't really want, so I'm trying to shed them back down. Yeah, what? definitely put on weight. Pounds? Huh? I'm not talking about pieces. Uh, <laughs> I put on maybe like, maybe seven. Oh, all right. But it's not, it's not good pounds. It's not good weight. It was like right around my stomach, man. That's where all my weight went. Yeah, so just I just around the stomach and the back part of the stomach, just just back fat. So I'm trying nasty. to wait. Why is that not good weight? It's a bad location. It's location, yeah. Yeah, the location is not where I want. Location to be. is not where I wanted to be. I mean, I'm still working out, and I'm still pretty strong. I was surprised how much I put up on the bench and the squat the other day, and I was like, okay, it's not too bad. Yeah, you know, I. I don't go down as far as I used to because I got the knee mobility mm-hmm. issues, but I still did my last set for for on squat three sixty five for like five or six. Jeez, and you know it's not all obviously not all the way down, but uh-huh. it was good enough for me. Good where you at, right? Yeah. Good for where you at. Yeah, man. All right, ready. Set. All right. So, did y'all see that the New York attorney, district attorney, has? Filed a lawsuit to uh, to um, start to dissolve the NRA. I read that this morning. Said there's a lot of fraudulent things happening within that. The New York Attorney General, sorry, the Attorney General of New York State. Mm. Yeah, man. Le- what is his name? James. Letitia James. Letitia James. Yes. Letitia James. She's not playing, yo. Or Letitia James, I think. Yeah, I think that's how they pronounce it. And she's not playing. She's she's trying to get Trump too. As soon as he loses, if he loses, she's like, there's a lot of stuff that they think they saying they can get him on too. Yeah, she ain't playing. I'm kind of nervous for her though. But you know, she shouldn't even put that in the atmosphere. Keep doing the work though. Appreciate you. That'll be something though. If she can take down the NRA. Well, you see the Republicans are starting to walk back all of the praise and all of the adulation and all the love that they've mm. been showing Trump now that we're getting closer to the election time. Mm-hmm. You see Rand Paul talking about how Republicans have been uh, fiscally irresponsible. And he compared them to Obama. He said you should be apologizing to President Obama kind of sarcastically, but mm. he was trying to use it as a point to make that they're blowing up the budget way more than he did quote-unquote, that he did, which he really didn't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then what else happened? There was something else that happened. Um, Yeah, there was a story I saw today. It was something about the military um, was walking back some of the uh, 
support too. See if I can find that story. But now it's been three and a half years. Now, my issue is what 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 happened now that made you say, "Oh, Trump is a problem." The election. election. Yeah, but you you waited three and a half years to know you're gonna have a problem during the election. No, they did it for three and a half years to see if if they were gonna have a problem during the election. Oh, here they go. I mean, I could <laughs> tell you, you go. were gonna have a problem. There was a lot of um. There was a lot of what was it like? Either first time politician that were running in these last couple of days, last couple of elections in other states. I mean, oh, and like these local elections. Local and I think uh, bigger, like uh, state reps and um, what primaries? I believe so. Mm. That that have been winning. Yeah, I did see a story about somebody winning a primary yesterday, as uh, well as other Midwest GOP somewhere. candidates uh-huh. that are going against a conservative of a, a more conservative candidate. Oh yeah, which is somewhat puzzling to me. It just seems like they'll be able to be under the radar a little easier. Yeah. I mean, that might be what they're going to Don't underestimate their ability to plan and mm-hmm. understand what's going on, but make it seem like they don't. You know what I mean? The shrewd, shrewd, shrewd actions of a politician. Which seems like it's the opposite of what they should be, right? I mean, not that they shouldn't be shrewd in that. They shouldn't be keen to the nuances of situations, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I don't the the behind the closed door wheeling and dealing that we don't see as a public, right? Seems to be a little bit uh, too uh, obfuscated for me. Mm. Mm. Man, we'll see what happens. I I, I know that. Uh, at this point, I'm still waiting to see who this VP pick is going to be. Doesn't even matter. I mean, I remember we talked about on our first podcast mm-hmm. we were talking about because it was around the time where um, Bernie was still f- running against Biden in the primaries, yeah. and it was before um, the whole um, uh, what, what's that Super Tuesday? Mm-hmm. Right, it was right before Super Tuesday, I think. Right, and and Bernie had won the first like three or four states, and we were talking about Biden. We're like. Yo, Biden is not ready. He he's just he seemed to have declined. Mm-hmm. And now we've just defaulted into I right, now who's he gonna pick for VP? Because the the who's it? It's Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris, Susan Rice, um, I've heard her name. Val Demings, I've heard her name. Yeah, Stacey Warren. Stacey Abrams. Abrams, I haven't heard her of, of late, but that's who I would want. But I I've heard I haven't heard her name of late. I've heard V. I've heard like who's Senator said, Warren. Yep, I yeah. heard Warren, um, but I'm I'm pretty sure he's gonna pick a black woman. So so, but I know he needs to pick a black woman on that Supreme Court too, and I feel like uh, uh, Ginsburg. She's just trying to hold. She's out holding on. Yeah. I I give that woman yeah, mad she's, respect. She's, man. she's, she's holding, holding on into this election. Yeah. If Biden wins, she'll be she's gonna retire. That's how I see it, and he's gonna have, Biden's gonna have to replace her with a black woman too. Why? That's that's that demographic that's missing from the bench. 
Got so do my Black woman? Well, she's not black, but she's minority. Yeah, but you need specifically a black woman. You have a Latino woman. You have a white woman. You need a black woman. You have a black man. And you have white men. You need a black woman. That's that's how I see it. That's how I see it. I mean, the black man on there ain't helping nobody. Well, out. I mean, <laughs> you know. But if you just going by pure demographics, though, you have a you have one black man. You have a what two, three white men. And you have no, you got more than that. You got Alito, right? You got Roberts, right? Yeah. You got the new one, Kavanaugh. Kavanaugh, right? Who else are we missing? Did we, we say Roberts? We did say Roberts. We said Alito, Roberts, Kavanaugh, and then you got Sotomayor. Yeah, that's four. What's the lady's name? Her starts with a K too, doesn't it? Uh, uh Kane, Ken, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. The one that Obama appointed, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you got Ginsburg. Yep, Ginsburg. That's eight. We're missing one. Is it a full bench? Yeah, it's a full bench, right? They got a full nine right now. Mm-hmm. I'm, 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 I'm gonna say that that's that other white guy who's Stephen Breyer. Breyer. Oh, okay. yeah, he's he's still on the Supreme Court. Gorsuch. Gorsuch. That's Gorsuch. Neil Gorsuch. That's the one they stole. That's the one I'm, I'm, I'm missing. Neil Gorsuch. Neil Gorsuch is the one they didn't Scalia. they. Scalia. Scalia died. Scalia died. Yeah. But Neil Gorsuch, why do I? That's not the one that Obama tried to appoint, and they said no. No. Okay. Gorsuch is a conservative appointment? That was the Kavanaugh appointment, right? Yeah. No, that was No, that was before. Scalia. So yeah. Gorsuch was the one that they appointed, but because Obama was about That's to the one that they somebody. stole, I'm thinking. Well, it, they appointed they Gorsuch, Gorsuch Obama, but yeah. Obama was trying to appoint somebody else. Right. Forget his name. Yeah. I thought that was his name, but it wasn't. Yeah, okay. No. But see, like, oh, you can't do that. You ain't about to exit. Huh? <laughs> yeah. What they said? <laughs> you can't do that. You ain't about to exit. Huh? <laughs> yeah, but I see, mean, that was a constitutional crisis if I've ever seen one, and they just stole it and they didn't give a shit. But you see how many? Not even just Supreme Court. You see how many lifetime appointees that Trump is appointing to oh, these yeah. benches? Yeah, yeah, these federal benches. At this point, yeah. it's like once I've heard that argument, I was like, yeah. I got to we got to get somebody progressive in there. And I haven't even heard of a progressive. I don't know who else is running third party anyway. Um I'm always a, I'm more of an advocate of third party at the local level. But um yeah, the way this election is going, you know, definitely I'm looking at the fact that I think there's going to be openings on the Supreme Court bench and there'll probably be some openings at these appellate level courts. And we not we got to put progressives because Trump has done a good job of stacking up the bench with conservative judges. Yep. Well, aren't these lifetime appointments? They're lifetime appointments, and a lot of times these 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 courts that uh, these judges that are appointed to lower courts, sometimes these that's who you look at when you want a Supreme Court justice. Right. So he's stacking right. up. Yeah. And so he's just letting like they, they fill the line yeah. of who's the successors right. are going to be for Supreme Court. And then you gotta remember if your case doesn't get to the Supreme Court, right? right. You got these lower courts, but if they if these lower courts are stacked with right. they're never gonna get to the yeah, Supreme Court. Yeah, it's gonna court. make it harder. Yeah. Or it makes it to the point where if you if you stack your lower courts with conservatives and then the, your Supreme Court is a conservative bench like you can't expect no change. What's the point of appealing? Like if you don't like a lower court's mm-hmm. decision, right. it's like don't even appeal. Well, the point of the court is to be nonpartisan anyway. Like I don't understand how we allow it to be so partisan when that is the one 
branch of government that's not supposed to be partisan. Yeah. I right? think that uh they do a they do a I don't know, it's kind of like a flip-flop I think because you you don't want the rulings to be partisan. But in America, outside of your job, you're allowed to be as partisan as you want. Yeah, which, but that's which doesn't make sense to me <laughs> for a Supreme Court. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Well, I mean, you know, the whole political system is partisan, and that's why at least the uh, House of Representatives and representatives and the Senate exists. Why Congress exists is to represent Mm -hmm. each demographic from the geographical areas around the country. So I can understand the partisanship in Congress, right? And then I can understand even the partisanship as president. But the whole point of being appointed a lifetime judge is for you to uh, have impartial judgments for these different cases that come in front of you. And so, you know, having part a partisan court, whether it's these lower courts, these appellate courts or the Supreme Court itself just doesn't make sense to me. Like yeah. we should be, it's the people who are appointing these judges who are partisan that are yes. appointing the partisan judges. So I feel like almost Supreme Court should be a different, those selected should be selected in a different, a different way. way. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah it, it mostly goes by, well, you know, what they argue is the interpretation of the Constitution. So if someone has a very conservative interpretation of the Constitution, then a conservative president might be more likely to appoint you. But there have been a couple decisions in the Supreme Court, uh, decisions of late that, um, you know, have shown that these judges aren't necessarily lock and step with Trump. There's others that have shown that they might be, but I do think that for the most part, when these judges become um, judges on the Supreme Court, hopefully they have that whole sense of responsibility you were talking about. Let's try to be as impartial as we can and just leave it up to our own interpretation. But I think that the way that it looks right now is like, what is it, six to three? It's leaning conservative, I think, six to three. Which I mean, it's just it's the women that have been, if I'm not Elena mistaken. Elena Kagan. She Kagan. Just popped into my there head. There you go. Yeah. Yes, Kagan. What did I say it started with? I Kagan. You said it. Oh, okay. Kagan. Kagan. But it was her last name. Kagan, yes. Yeah. So um, I think the women are seen as the liberal makeup, if I'm not mistaken. If if I'm remembering it correctly, I think the, the court, according to politics, is leaning conservative 6-3. It sounds about right. The and then any Who other, was the other one that you mentioned? The any other, other guy? Um, what's it called? Any other variation of that is like a lucky choice. Yeah. Who was the other decision. justice? You, Breyer. Breyer. I think he wavers. Okay. Or maybe he's left-leaning. I think he might be the other. Is he? Oh, he liberal-ish. might be. Liberal-ish. Liberal. Okay. So then maybe it's 5-4. Well, yeah, he was appointed by Bill Clinton. Okay. It might be a 5-4. Yeah. And 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 Roberts goes either way. Sometimes. Yeah, Roberts has made some decisions. He was the one that made the decision that Obamacare should stand. Should stand, yeah. right? The Affordable Crack was, our, and he was appointed by, which was a surprise, right? Right, because he was appointed by George W. I think right before he left, right? Yeah, because he swore in. He was appointed now by. He's George, the chief justice. Yes, so. yeah, he's a chief, and he was sworn in by George W. I think it was the. I don't know. I think George W. Bush only only made one appointment, if I'm not mistaken. Or did he? Why do I think? Was Scalia appointed by George W. Bush as well? I no, Scalia's been on the court forever. For a while? For a while? Okay. Yeah. When he, um, so. Or he was on the court forever. Right. <laughs> so, 
I mean, I don't know. I, I'm not gonna lie and act like I'm, I'm. I've had any more excitement about Alito. I think Alito he appointed Alito Bush. Yeah. Bush. Bush. Yes, that's okay. Alito. Samuel Alito. Gotcha. Yeah. So Alito and Roberts. Yeah. Usually, a president that has two terms, they say, will appoint about two justices. Hmm. The way the cycle has been breaking of late. Uh, the younger you make your appointments, though, the the less of a chance that the next person. But I, uh, I'm not excited. I'm still not excited about the election. But I am, amid all that's happening, all the social uprising, I am very excited about some of these congressional races, though. Mm-hmm. Um, where I live, the district where I live, um, the congressional candidate coming out of the, the Democratic side. I, I kind of we went to the same church, grew up with him. He's about three, four years younger than me. Nope, I might be lying. Might be seven years younger than me, but uh, we, you know, he's very progressive. Um, he, you know, he supports uh the Green New Deal, and I think uh, President Barack Obama just endorsed him um earlier this week. But hmm. so it's I've been paying, yeah, I've been yeah. paying attention to the congressional, <laughs> the congressional races, yeah. um, because just you know my knowledge of and knowing what these congressional um representatives or who they represent i want to know who my representative in washington is yeah right so and uh i've been paying attention to that and a lot of local politics because we got some crazy stuff happening where i'm at where i'm looking at the county legislators and so i've been excited to look at local politics i really want to yeah but isn't it sad that you can't get excited about the head of the party right because yeah de facto Joe Joe Biden de facto is going is the head of the party right now, right? Because we, he's going to be the nominee for the Democratic side. It's Barack and, Obama. <laughs> he's the head. Of the he's still Democratic the head of the Democratic party. party, and he's the last person that we've been people been excited about, right? right? Like, and exactly, we weren't excited about Hillary, Clinton, right? Not excited, yeah, and and not excited about Biden. So it, it brings me back to what I was bringing up earlier. You know, why Biden? Like, why did why didn't we? I don't know. I'm a little exasperated. I think. I think corporations. Well, get then it's going to be a lot of the same shit that we've been going through for the last however long, and it's not much is going to change. I mean. Yeah, I think it's supposed to appease the. So to what I'm saying. Make sa- it look like it's appeasing the people, but it was yeah. really to appease the corporation. Right, and so in the face of what's going on now, the social unrest that's going on now it kind of flies in the face of the social unrest that's going on now because it's not uh a a it didn't come to a head right so you would think the social unrest would generate a candidate that was more in line with uh what the goals of what's going on right now is and it just i mean obviously he was in it before the social unrest happened but mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of it, it's it's a dichotomy. Or we have all of this stuff that we want to do, and we we're protesting, or people are protesting, and then we have this candidate who's very milk toast. Oh, come on, brother! Very what? Milk toast. Go ahead, please explain that because I had milk and toast for breakfast, but I don't know what milk toast is. Well, milk toast is you know just run of the mill, just oh. very bland, vanilla. very vanilla. Nothing, yeah. yeah, there's nothing there. Oh, bland. Yeah. Dang, how did you come with that word, milk toast? Appreciate that SAT word, man. Yeah, it's spelled with a Q U E too, from what I understand. Q U E. Yeah, M I L Q U E. Ooh, I'm gonna look it up right so now. So it's fancy. Son. You gotta say it with your with your pinky up. <laughs> milk toast. <laughs> but yeah, I, I 
how can you get excited, right, when you think about all that America encompasses, all who's here as as varied as a people as we are? I tell you how. The best that we came up with was two white men over 70 to represent <laughs> us for I the next four years. I tell you how we get excited. We get excited through all of the other parts of government, all of the... So yeah, they they end up becoming the heads of their prospective parties, respective parties. But I mean, if you look at if you look at Trump, I feel he's an idiot. You know, he's yeah. an idiot. So all of the things he says or all of the things he, I don't I don't even pay attention to most of them because I don't want to be brought down to that idiotic level. Yeah. And when I think about Biden, it's a lot of the same as far as that. I feel like okay. he might have a better handle of how to do the job, but going by what he says and and the and the things he's the the things he does say and the way he says, he's not exciting either. So what's exciting to me is about the house um possibly gaining seats or the senate possibly flipping again. And those are the parts that I feel actually do the work. The president can talk and the president can meet with heads and, you know, shake hands and stuff. It's it's like a company. Your CEO knows a lot about how to run the company. Mm -hmm. But as far as what everybody does and how the work gets done is usually those people or the structure under them. Yeah, but the direction comes from the CEO or the president, right? The direct the the face of the company or the country is the CEO and the president, right? And so when we when we look as idiotic as we do on the world stage, it it is embarrassing because we're supposed to be the the leader, the world leader, right? We we we're first in everything. We well, we're supposed to be first in everything, right? And and when we don't even have a president who can uh, have conversations on a level with other state leaders that, you know, that they're having it on that level, nuanced conversation, then it's like, you know, it's, it's demoralizing. So regardless of all of the workers and managers that you may have under the CEO, when you don't, if you don't have a CEO or president of the United States is not inspiring, it's demoralizing regardless of all that other work that may be going on. I feel a little less, sorry, cut you off. I feel a little, I feel a little less um, importance on goes to that because it, you're right. He does meet with other state heads of state and has these discussions. And but as far as like the direction, I always feel like it's the people. So yeah, the people ended up, or I I can't even say the people ended up choosing Trump because you know Hillary won the popular vote, but Trump wins. So or Trump won. So that makes us. Does does that make me look at him as, you know, as that leader, as that? No, I feel like our system is failed and or is flawed so that these under, um, I don't say underlings. That's not, <laughs> that <sounds laughs> my underlings. <laughs> yeah, so, so the, the House of Representatives and Senators. Yeah, the other branches of government. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've, like if. If you if you look at the Senate, for instance, right now and their list of um, things that are being shelved or, you know, these are people not doing their jobs. So I'm excited about that possibly flipping to people that actually want to do the job. Yeah. 
And, you know, and that coupled with a house that's getting things moving and doing things, I find that I find that exciting more so than, you know, Trump versus Biden, because even if Trump wins, as long as there's a Democrat, I feel like a Democratic check Mm -hmm. to what he's doing, Mm -hmm. the system will have improved. If we keep it the same way with the uh, with uh, the Senate and like Mitch McConnell running the Moscow Senate, it, it looks horrible. Yeah. Like that really looks horrible to me more so than mm-hmm. me knowing Trump's an idiot and uh, can't uh, talk about like coronavirus without saying we're doing wonderful or something else <laughs> equally ridiculous. Yeah, no, I agree. And it, the incremental change is definitely inspiring and it can help drive us towards the goals that we're looking to achieve. Um, it just seems like some of the ideologies are so outdated that there is no room for it in the sphere of politics as politics stands now, right? right? They need to evolve. You can see that they're dragging their feet on changing even their own core ideologies that matches the times. But I guess that's kind of the definition of conservatism, right? Is to keep what has been going on. Yeah. Keep it, keep it the same. Um, but th- I, I don't even feel like that makes sense anymore. Things change so f- rapidly now. Information is so much more available now um, that I, it, it, conservatism, I think, has to change itself. Hmm. Mm. We're talking about ideologies, changing the ideology itself. Yeah, it what has it, to. Mm. It has to evolve, even if it's a conservative ideology, right? Mm. The ideas have to change a little bit, right? Because the baseline, you you can't have the same ideologies from the inception of the country to as a conservative, right? Because liberal, by definition, I think, I don't know if, if this is literally the definition, but from my understanding, liberal is um, is akin to progressivism, right? Mm-hmm. And, and And republicanism, uh, is akin to conservatism. So progressive obviously makes moving forward progress. And conservatism is to conserve, keep as is the status quo. And so if you look at the literal, literal definitions of those things, I mean, say from 1776, the Declaration of Independence, if we had those same ideologies from then, literally conserving ideologies from then, it would be crazy in this world to have those ideologies, right? So even though conservatism literally means to conserve, I think they have to move forward and they're dragging their feet because they're still stuck, you know, in the mid part, I feel, of the 20th century. Mm. Yeah. Well, hey, man, something need to happen. Something need to happen. I don't know how we got this guy in office. Well, I do know how we got this guy in office. Trump would not have been in office had it, had there not been a backlash for President Obama being in office. That's definitely a big part of it. That's it. I don't think that's all of it, though. I'll be honest with mm-hmm. you. And and this is some place where we may disagree. Okay. I think there is some or it's, there are some major issues in the progressive liberal side that need to be dealt with. One of them uh, being identity politics. Mm-hmm. I think that was a huge backlash against uh the liberals, the progressives, Hillary. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's part of the reason why Trump was able to win because, uh, you know, 
white people felt at the time that they were taking the blame for all of the ills that had gone on in this country. And they were for a while taking it in stride and saying, yeah, you know, our people did some stuff in the past and, uh, you know, maybe there needs to be a little bit more of an even playing field. But over time, regardless of who you are, if you continue to just take the blame for things that obviously they hadn't done themselves, but even they feel like they shouldn't be taking the blame for you're going to, there's going to be a backlash at some point, right? Just human nature. Somebody's going to be like, all right, I'm done taking the blame for everything. This is bullshit. I'm either out or I'm going to fight back against it. And I think that's part of what happened and why Trump won it because there was a backlash against particularly uh, uh, the cultural identityism um, that we were uh encountering in the liberal progressive movement at that time but don't you think that's a flaw i feel like that's a flaw because if you're america's a young country and so up until barack obama it was run by white males white men even with barack obama (laughs) it was run by obviously because you would see you get to see how congress can lock him up yeah but i'm my yeah it's um so, I mean, I, that's I, the only reason I feel that all these blame, I mean, can you, can, can you even call it blame that it's an, it's an attribute. If you lead, this is what happens. Like if you lead from your leadership, the results of what happens is from your leadership. Right. But the people who felt they were being blamed are not in these positions of leadership. They're not the people who are, you know, obviously corporate America, the makeup of the CEOs in corporate America is overwhelmingly white male, right? Mm. But the overwhelming majority of the people who are in the middle class and lower class are also white and male or just white in general. So I feel like those, um, that constituency was being uh, or felt like they were being blamed for all of these ills, yet they had no power to uh, create the situation where people felt you know, that they were being, um, they had no power to create those situations, but they had no power to do anything about those situations either, but they were receiving the blame for those situations. So that's the backlash that I think happened. Mm-hmm. They said, you know what? I'm done. I, 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 I understand what you're going through, but I can't take the blame for this stuff anymore. And there is one guy who's talking to me about how I feel at this time, right? And I don't think, and the, the problem is, I don't think that was, something that was on our TVs or on our screens. We didn't see a lot of that. So we didn't empathize or understand where they were coming from. So that sentiment fomented for a while. It grew, and then the fire grew for a while, and, the fire, and then it culminated in the Trump presidency. And I don't think p- people even realized it until the night of the election because there was so much excitement for Hillary on the liberal progressive side mm-hmm. that when the, the states started coming in, I remember I was watching MSNBC. I watched a couple of them back and forth, but I was watching MSNBC. Mm-hmm. And at the beginning of the night, I remember Rachel Maddow was mad excited. She was joking around. She was being her usual snarky self, but you know, in a in a positive light because she was she knew that yeah. Hillary was going to win. And, yeah, and over the course of the night, you could see her the countenance on her face just drop. And I was like, "See, this is what happens when you put that the heart, the cart before the horse." And people weren't listening to that silent majority constituency that was that had all of these feelings that they were being blamed and voted for Trump and i fear that that may happen this time too 
I still think that had it not been, they were able to take all those feelings and they, that was personified for them in President Barack Obama, meaning white people who might have been, who might have felt like they've been, white men particularly, who felt like they were being blamed for a lot of this stuff. I'm not sure if they would have felt the same way, let's say, if Hillary was the president or if another white man was the president when all this stuff was happening. Because if you look at even the white male vote, Trump, I think, is still leading the white male vote, but not like he was with Hillary. There's a split amongst white men, meaning Biden. Because of Biden, you think? because Biden is another white male. You don't think it's because Trump is just an idiot? Or they perceive that? They but, find that out and they're like, I can't, I can't. Well, I think some of that, I think some of that is we found out that Trump is not uh, who we thought he was. Um, and I think exactly. they thought he they, was. Yeah, who yeah. they thought yeah, he yeah, was. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm speaking as if I'm them now. Clearly not me. Gotcha. Um, and I think some of that is that. I think some of it is also, you know, men who just did not believe women could be president. Yeah. Right. And, uh, and also. And people's outright hatred for for Hillary as well. Hillary too. And yeah, so you have a group of people who just didn't like Hillary and then you had another group that was like women can't be president, shouldn't yeah. be. But I think in in Joe Biden some of those things remember now Joe Biden was out of politics for 4 years. Yeah. He was not he was chill, he wasn't a senator, he was just chilling. And Hillary was running right after being the Secretary of State and all that you know. So I just think that some of that that comfortability that white men have with white male leadership is also being divided. Like, hey, we don't have to go as wild and as crazy with Trump. We can get this guy, Biden. He should be all right. Mm. Um, I think that's some of it. Yeah. But the guy, I mean, come on, Trump. I don't even, I still don't see how he killed the Re- Republican primary the way he did. Like, I don't get how he was. That was, that should be a study to see how he, he didn't lose one. I don't think he lost one primary, did he? I don't know. When he was running for a Republican. And I remember like, yo, is this guy really going to win? Like, he's killing everybody. Yeah. He's, it's not even close. And, um, man. But it's an easy case study to me. It was, this guy was the personification of the feelings of the vast majority of middle and lower class white people. Mm. Mm. You know, and and I'm not saying it's bad. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm just saying it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. Right? Because, and 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 the part that we should pay attention to, is that we weren't paying attention to it. Right. Right. And that's why I feel like that can happen, can happen again. again. Right. Because we, the, the progressives, I feel, get so high and mighty on their ideology and the things that they're going to implement when they get in office that they forget about everybody else. That it's not just about them. Just like how the progressives think or feel like the conservatives forget about the progressives when they get into office. It's the same way the other way around. Mm -hmm. And that's why all of that happened. That's why Trump became president. That's why he won those primaries back to back to back because people identified with him. He spoke directly to them. He's like, this is garbage. What's going on? And, and, And everybody else was still that highfalutin language where, you know, they spoke up here and he was down there with the rest of the people and the people really commiserated with him and said, yeah, that's the guy I want. That's what happened. Even though it was all lies. 
Not they didn't know it was lies at the time. Most of the country, most of the country, I would have to say most of the country didn't know Trump. Trump was a New York guy. Yeah. So people in New York, and I mean New York, I mean the Northeast, right? right? People in the Northeast knew who Trump was. They knew what kind of dude he was. He's been in the media since the '80s, uh-huh. you know, and 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 people knew who Trump was. But he uh, they he knew they knew who he was when he came out. Well, he was the one that was able to stretch out that whole birthing movement, though. Well, they only knew that because right, he right. was the guy who was telling people whether they were hired or fired. So he made that show that was nationally syndicated, and that's how they knew him, Mm -hmm. right? So they saw him as this boss, right? Right, and say, yeah, this guy could—he's talking my language. Plus, he's a dude who runs stuff. Yeah, I think he can run the country. We need a businessman to run the country. Yes, that's that's been said time immemorial. Mm -hmm. We need a businessman Mm -hmm. to run the country. Mm -hmm. We can get into a whole diatribe about how that is so inaccurate. How Mm -hmm. a country is (laughs) not like a business, business. but but that notwithstanding. They identified with him and they saw that he or he gave the perception that he he portrayed strong leadership characteristics. So they said, yeah, that's the guy I can get behind. And he never not once laid out. He was able to maybe talk their language, sound familiar to them, but not once in his campaign did he lay out any plan of anything. So when you watch like candidates now and what was happening most of the time, traditionally, they'll lay out. Here's my plan to do this. Here's my plan to do that. Yep. Trump didn't have to do that one time when he ran for office uh, four years ago, and he was still winning. That's the part that got me. I was like, "But what is his plan?" He got the heartstrings of the people. That's, that's why. I guess that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. And and I, I man, basically a fair the other was his whole campaign. Yeah, but uh, yeah, we can't be in that position again. But again. Looking at the two choices that we have, <laughs> you know, for me, what's so frustrating is like, is this what we're saying? This, this is, is what America best. had to offer? This is the best we had to yeah, offer? Out of, and you know the answer is no. So then the question becomes, how did they get? How did they become the two choices? Then you start having to look at how these systems operate uh, and how these structures The work. national conventions yeah, and Then all you're like, that. oh, because yeah. this, this can't be it. This can't, this can't be. Because all of that, you know, is really hidden. Mm-hmm. From the average American, yeah, they don't until we saw those leaked emails. Did we even get a per, like a, a peek into right, right, a perking of the on. ears of like what, like, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> you know? And so we don't have any visibility <laughs> into these different structures and how you know primaries wasn't a sexy thing ever, at least while I was well, growing for up. Polit- for you know political science majors exactly government yes people who that's the business they were into or that was the field of study they were going into yeah you know they got excited (laughs) they got all their hard-ons because of you know those kind of the situations that were going on but for me and i'm assuming the vast majority of normal people Mm. they don't know what the primary process is and how you know what a caucus is versus a primary versus whatever the third one is see i don't even remember what the third one is what is it it's the caucus the primary there's a third one there's a third one and Mm. and you know i'm saying and so we're not taught all of these you know we're taught about the upper level of of uh uh, voting and 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 politics, but we're not taught about local level. We're not talk about taught about how they interact with one another. We're not taught about how you know you, they're separate, but there there is some uh, 
there is some communication, there is some line or relationship between the different levels of government, state-wise and federal-wise. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're not talk, taught about the structure. We don't know how the structure really works. We just know the top end, right? right, right. And so they're able, I feel, on each side, uh, on whatever side, third party, Democrat side, you know, Republican side, to hide Mm-hmm. All the machinations. I know that's a favorite word of us. Yeah, machinations. Machinations. They are able to hide all those machinations. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they're able to uh, really push it in the direction that they want. It's not by the people anymore. They right. know how to manipulate it so that they get the outcome that they want mm-hmm. because it's so black box. There is no visibility into it. Yeah. Primaries, caucuses, and political conventions. Nah, there was another one. Well, the one. political convention's at the end, right? Yeah. We're talking about the national. Yeah, yeah the national, the Democratic National Convention. We're talking about how we arrive at that yeah, there are, nominee, I, right? I, I was pretty sure there was a third mo- mode. When when each state yeah. is dis- determining who, who their nominee would be. Their nominee is going to be. There are the caucuses, Caucus. the primary elections, which are right. like normal elections. Yeah. Um, but then there was a third way of doing it. I don't remember the term of it. Okay. I think it moves to the nominating convention after those. No, but he's no, talking about the I'm process. Talking, it's equal, of it's, actually, it's nominating. on the same level as a yeah. caucus or a primary. I can't. I can't. I, I'll have to look that up. Yeah. I teach government too. I can't. I can't think of it. But um, that's yeah. e. What's up? That's e. Primary and I thought. Caucus? Yeah, I thought it was primary and caucus. Iowa right, caucuses. I'll look, I'll but we'll, to, we'll see. You know, I might be wrong. I'll try to look it up. But but you know, either any way you put it what whatever those processes are there is no visibility into mm. those processes mm. and and so they're able to manipulate it and that's what the the small government the local government those things are the things that we need to um pay pay attention to and how we get to this place when we get to the general election how do we even get here yeah. with these two candidates most people don't know about it. right well we definitely got to be more engaged i'm hoping i just oh my gosh i don't I don't think we can take four more years of this guy. I think it's possible. To I think it's possible years? to take four more years if mm-hmm. you have a Democratic sen- Senate and a Democratic House. I think it would be more tolerable <laughs> to take but the But what's going to happen years. is, and especially if he continues to act this way where it's just his base, what's going to happen is every law, if we have a... If we have a Democratic Senate and Congress, if we don't have a supermajority, then we're just going to be treading water. We're going to be gridlock again because he'll vote, he'll veto everything that's passed, and they won't have enough to override his veto. And anything that Trump wants to put into place, that they're going to be like, "No, nah, we're not putting that in place," you know. Um, yeah. But this guy has just been. I remember when he I was. I feel like that's a win, though. <laughs> well, it's a win if he, it's a win that we won't have any of his situations passed but if if we have a democratic or a progressive congress and senate when they agree on legislation when it goes to the desk to be signed if he's going to stay true to he's just going to veto it and unless we have a supermajority, we're not going to have enough to override the veto because that you got to have a supermajority to override the veto right or it's got to be a 66 i think uh it's like a it's got to be that or if it's going to be Sometimes it's not just party line. It's got to be a topic that just everybody feels that passionate about uh, where they be like, oh, even if he vetoes this, we'll override the veto. But that doesn't happen too often. 
Well, I mean, that's part of the system, too, yeah. because it's supposed to be a slow-moving system. Definitely. Right? And so that's part of the checks and balances that I think is yeah. baked into the idea of the system. Right. So I don't really see um, an issue there. Um, and there are ways of getting around it, like you said, supermajority, but they can also um, – well, I mean, yeah. Yeah, it's president has some powers to do things while they're out of session too. Yeah, so executive uh, orders, executive and orders, and, exactly. and even uh, you know by decree. I I don't know all of the the ways that he can do, it, but he has definitely has powers when they're mm-hmm. out of session to mm-hmm. get some laws established. And 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 one of the things that I've also seen, and this is not just uh, uh, for this particular president, but ju- in general over time, is that the president gains more power as he takes more power. Right, so. If Congress doesn't utilize their power, it's it's almost like they cede that power to the president and it automatically becomes part of his capability and and, and is in his arsenal now to use. Mm. And so, you know, we also have to be able to take those powers back, if possible, uh, in the Congress so that there's a more equal footing that we we have uh, in the political structure. It, it, it like Like, you can't, if you're... If you're subpoenaed by the Congress, you got to go. Yeah. They, mm-hmm. There's no I ain't going. Right. <laughs> right. So if well, you there wasn't until Right, until now. until now. And yeah. so so now there's precedence. Who going to go now, right? You're right. not going to do nothing about it. So why am right. I gonna, why am I going to go? Yeah. Right. right? And so I think I believe I feel like that's ceding the power that you have to subpoena people mm-hmm. uh, and compel them to come and testify. So that's just one example of, of, of that. But, you know, they they got to actually do what they do. I mean, you know, in past elections, you know, with Nixon, he was pardoned um, uh, by, who's it, Ford? Ford. And right. it's like, you know, his reasoning was for the country to heal and move forward. Move away, yeah. But then what is to stop other people from doing that if they're not going to suffer the consequences of their actions, right? I, I really, especially at that level, they should be the, high, held to a higher standard. That's one of the reasons I would like to see Trump lose his presidency mm-hmm. because that is when all of these crimes, mm-hmm. you know, high crimes and and the misdemeanors as well. Don't forget the misdemeanors mm-hmm. that they'll be applied to to him. Like they're gonna go after him. Yes. Yeah. Watch this guy not leave. Uh, yeah, that's going to be a big a, there's problem. A, there's a thing about that. I have a feeling he's going to do some crazy, like, I'm not leaving. I don't trust the vote. I don't trust the way it works. And there's a thing about that, though. He's going to have, he's gonna have his 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 uh, base, don't leave. Yeah. Stay right there. Yeah, yeah. yeah but that's yeah. not the law. Well, the, yeah, but man, it got to be enforced. Yeah. Right. And Enforcement's then, always the problem in American history. You can have laws on the books, but if you don't enforce them, come so on. So what's the law you talking about, Drew? That the, the that armed guard that usually escorts him into the chamber, mm-hmm. that guy gets to go get him <laughs> and gets him out. Oh, you thought we was friends, huh? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know about that. But here's my thing. We've never had, at least to my knowledge, never had a president that says, I'm not leaving. No, I don't right. think we have. We've always, always had a, a turn, peaceful transition of power, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So my, now my, my thing is, I don't put that past Trump. Yeah, what else does he have? Well, I mean, he was questioning the election he won. Right. Yeah. He was questioning that. 
I just I can see him saying I'm not leaving. No, no, no. That's that, what I'm saying. You said his reasoning would be I don't trust the results. The, yeah, right. He didn't trust the results of the election that he won. Mm-hmm. So if he loses the election, he's gonna super not trust those results. And he's so he's already trying to put things out there he's to trying make to, put things it, out to make there. it seem like this mail in ballot is a problem. I forgot which it was. It was some representative. I think she was from California, but I could be wrong. Who uh, was questioning the eternal gen- uh, attorney general Barr? Yeah. And she was asking him, why are you making this whole voter fraud thing such a big deal? She, The percentage of voter fraud is like point zero 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 six or something like that, she said. Yeah. I got to go back to the thing. But, you know, Trump is trying to put out there now that mail-in voting will bring about mass levels of fraud. And yeah. Mm-hmm. I think he's even trying to sue right now Nevada because they just made absentee balloting, I think, a requirement. Because I think they're not going to go to the polls because of COVID. Yeah. And I could be off a little bit. But all that to say is I know I heard that Trump is going to sue Nevada because he doesn't trust. Or at least the information he's putting out there is that process, mail-in voting, absentee ballot is not trustworthy. You know, I read something today about that. And somebody just made the point that if we can trust the mail system Mm -hmm. to deliver these checks Mm -hmm. to people, if we can trust the mail system to send our tax returns to the IRS, mm. but we can't trust the mail system to 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 do our mail-in or absentee ballot voting. Right. What's what's really depressing about it is that um, Trump and Republicans in the past, including his um, postmaster general appointee, all have been doing things to weaken mm-hmm. the U.S. mail system. Yep. So yep. then. For them to also say that the mail system can't be trusted for this is is just another another attack on uh, on a service that they're trying to get rid of. Yeah, yeah, it, it's crazy. The mail system is an interesting case study. Mm. Um, I didn't really dive deep into it, but I read a little bit about it. And the U.S. mail system is self funded. It's not part of the budget. They're funded by postage, postage yeah. right? And so one of the ways they were trying to show that the uh, the Postal Service was insolvent was by forcing them to spread their income from postage for like 10 years down the line mm. and not current so that they can say, see, this system is insolvent. We need a privatized system to mm. do it. And they were doing that, I think, in the Bush administration. Mm. And it seems like they're trying to continue that same type of thing here. It's crazy the games that they play. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's all an attempt to weaken the postal system, which was, you know, what else did they, didn't they borrow from the postal pension? Like, many mm. They definitely I did social yeah, security, but they might have, yeah. I don't want to get into like it too far. But, yeah, so what happens is, like, there's an actual time, uh, time and date that the, if, even if you don't even, so if Trump was to um, be absent from all the usual rituals, the, when the president-elect comes to meet the past president at he the White come. House, and like, yeah, say mm-hmm. he abandons all of those sort mm-hmm. of pleasantry, there's an actual date and time when the old administration twelve is, is gone and yeah. the new administration is twelve in. noon, whether or not you're sworn in at that part or not. Right. Yeah. So then the military 
well that or you or if he wasn't to, if he chose not to leave they're considered a squatter and the military is called on to evict you oh wow so it's yeah it's in the i don't know if it's in the constitution but i remember something when i think it was president obama's second inauguration i was watching it and he wasn't sworn in before that time and i remember the announcer saying He's officially the president right now anyway mm-hmm. at noon, mm-hmm. even though he hasn't been sworn in yet. Yeah. There's a yeah. time in which the transition takes place. Right. So that no it has matter. to be immediate so yeah. that there's no vacuum of yeah. power. Yeah. yeah, yeah. so that is true. I didn't think about that aspect. But I can just see Trump causing all types of craziness in that period, that interim period between when we voted and when, and the, when the new president-elect is- Takes seats, take, yeah. Yeah, is yeah. The, He's going to do every crazy thing. So my question to you guys, I guess it's an easy question. Y'all voting? Well, hold on. Let me, before, 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 <laughs> before we get into that, I just wanted to circle back to what I was saying before. I think what I was confusing was uh, the primaries. There's open primaries and, and closed, closed primaries. primaries. Yeah. And I think those were the those two yeah. plus caucuses yeah. was the three that I was talking about. But it's not really What's three, an open primary primaries. state? That's I wish New York I don't think is open, right? No. Because no. I yeah, because I used to yeah, be New registered. York is closed. Pennsylvania I think is open, right? Pennsylvania is closed. Is it closed now? Yeah. They must have just changed it. Uh, Maybe not. Open primary state is Montana, Missouri, Mississippi, Minnesota, Michigan, um, Indiana. Georgia, yeah, uh, Arkansas, Alabama. It seems very much like a lot of the conservative states, North yeah. Dakota. I wish I was. Primaries. I wish we could. Because that's an open caucus. My fault. I was a. Uh, I can't register independent. Well, I can, but if I registered independent, you can't vote. Like in the I can't participate in. The, yeah, and yeah. I know that. I, so I'm a registered Democrat, just because of the fact that the Democratic Party in my lifetime has been the more liberal party, and I would like to participate in who I see represent. But if I was independent, I would just have to not vote in that primary and either vote for an independent candidate or vote for, you know, whoever the Democratic nominee is or the more liberal. So I was I was a registered independent when I lived in Pennsylvania. So mm-hmm. that's why I was trying to figure I guess I was at that time my thinking was I'm just independent, period. I don't care. Mm-hmm. Um and I was, you know, I, I was voting third party at that time anyway. So, y'all gonna answer my question now or no? Probably, or probably not. y'all voting? <laughs> <laughs> Think about I mean. it. <laughs> I vote on everything. I vote on school board elections. I vote on yeah. uh, America Got Talent. I vote <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> no, politically, I, vo- I vote on basically anything. Anything having to do with the school district, anything having to do with judges, sheriffs, locally, all of that. So, when that uh, is extended to something as important as I feel the presidential or, you know, um, representative in Congress, when it's extended to those high levels, I definitely, definitely go out for those. Yeah, man, I vote. I vote every time there is a vote. I'm like you, Drew. I try to vote in the local elections, which I think are important, obviously. Um, I have sometimes a harder time with uh, the general elections, uh, simply because the choices are so limited and mm. they are, you know, in more, they have more bondage surrounding those choices. You know, I think the local elections, people who are running are a little freer to really be who they are. Mm. Um, and, and not so much in the higher level elections. So I have a more difficult time choosing, but I still vote. I mm. think 
you know, whether you vote for either a Republican or a Democratic candidate, or if you go third party, you know, you can't let anybody tell you who you vote for. They can convince you, you know, if you are open to being convinced, but you really should vote for who will implement policies that are in your best interest, right? Mm-hmm. So you, regardless of what that is, I think, and, and it sounds kind of tropey and it sounds kind of MTV, get out the vote, <laughs> but I think people have a duty. It's not a duty, it's a right, but I think you should vote. You should be let your, I mean, it's such a important process that can shape the lives of you, your neighbors, your children, your grandchildren, and people who you do not know who need help. You know what I'm saying? Um, so I think it's important to vote. So I vote every time. Yeah, I mean, even the census, for instance, current census right now, is a, I feel like it's a vote. It's a way to let the government know what's going on in your area. And the idea that this administration is um, shortening Mm-hmm. The amount of time you have to answer the census is almost as telling as the administration, uh, administration, um, you know what they're trying to do with the postal post service. Yeah, it's, it's like right in line. Yeah, I it, mean, yeah, but that is a uh, you know attack your weaknesses is mm-hmm. is basically what he's trying. You know, his blind spots. He's trying to cover his blind spots. When you say short, and you're talking about that, that they're stopping that whole direct. I don't know if it's door to door, but I know yeah, the, they're, they're even stopping the um, gathering of the census by a month, I believe. Yeah. I when think is the, it? When is it ending? Do you know? Well, the due date is October 31st, but I think that the people who do all the work, like they're stopping that shorter than the due date. Like at some point, your only option is going to be to go online to fill it out. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah, I just filled mine out, and I got it upstairs to put in the uh, mailbox tonight. Okay. I actually did mine online a couple yeah. months ago. But, yeah, but I'm staying away from the online information. Stay away from no, it. I yeah, did, I, I did, too. I did it online. I did it online just to get out, because at that point, I didn't know what the due date was. Yeah. And at the time when COVID hit, I think the due date was like April 15th. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to make sure I was going to be counted. I didn't, I didn't do the uh, physical form. But, yeah, I think that they're stopping, whether it be – the paper or what other other direct forms and at some point i think the only way you're going to do it be able to do it is and then i announce it on my every sunday at my church every sunday i announce yeah it's important fill, it's yeah, like fill out the, the, it's like the drew census. was saying it's almost like a vote you're telling them what your the makeup of your cons, the constituency is so that they can provide the proper services for that constituency so it is like a ballot yeah. that you're filling out to get the resources that mm-hmm. that that geographic region needs want to be counted yeah so i know so what about yourself you vote i i think i am whoa 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 whoa. no i mean i've always voted when i say i think i am i mean i think i'm gonna vote one of the major parties this time and we all know which one (laughs) so so there's some history to that then the way you're saying it so the the first time i was ever able to vote and i'm 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 assuming since we're the same age as the first time y'all could vote was bush gore no, nah, I commit voter fraud all the time. No, I'm playing. <laughs> <laughs> that was the first time I participated. And I remember going to bed, thinking Al Gore won, waking up, hearing Bush won. Yeah. And I'm, I was just like, yo, what, what's the problem? Yeah. And it made me very distrustful of the voting process to the point where the next go around when it was Bush versus Kerry, I didn't vote at all. Mm-hmm. I did not vote. 
in the Bush Kerry uh, election. I remember my mom scolding me. You got to vote for the lesser of two. I just like, mom, I can't say I can't vote for no evil. Mm. You know what I mean? But I just for me at that time, I couldn't see no difference in Kerry and Bush. I remember what's his name? He was the founder of MSNBC. He died, though. Um, I remember he did an interview with Bush and he was talking about how Kerry and Bush. Oh, you're talking about you're talking about um, Tom Rogers. No, no, you're he talking might be about the founder, but he, maybe I got the guy wrong. Yeah, I I know you're talking about. He's he, a broadcaster. He too. did he did uh, the Sunday morning show on on NBC. Yeah, um, and he did it for a long time. It's yeah. one of those oh, I can't remember. I, his name. I, I, I said founder, but I doubt he might not be the founder. His but son was, is an NBC reporter. Yeah, his too. son's he was a pretty uh he was pretty high up on that in the MSNBC. He was well respected. Yes, yes, I think he passed away of a heart attack. Like yeah. I remember catching people off guard. Yep. And uh, I remember him interviewing, I think it was George Bush, and he was like, hey, you know, you and Gary. Meet the press. Yes, meet the press was where he first hosted to. And, oh. But he, I remember watching his interview. He said, you and Carrie both skull and bones, right? But he was making yeah. the point, like, what's the difference? But I remember me um, just saying, you know, I and where I was and as far as my social standing, I thought, and I don't, you know, I was, but I was. I was still developing in my revolutionary political outlet where I thought, you know, the political system was not for us anyway. So I didn't vote. Mm. Tim Russert. Yes. Russert. And I was very comfortable with not voting. Then the next election, President Obama is the nominee. And I'm very conflicted because I don't trust the Democratic Party. I remember hearing about Senate when he was a state senator at Kerry's convention, but I really liked Cynthia McKinney, who was running on the Green Party, mm. who I thought was more progressive than I believe Barack Obama felt he could be. I don't know if how he truly felt, but she he definitely could not have been that progressive. And Cynthia McKinney was a representative out of Georgia. She had just been, I think she just lost, but she was nominated by the, she lost in her reelection to be a representative. She was nominated by the Green Party to run for president. She had, her platform was tight. I mean, very progressive. And I was conflicted. Am I going to vote for Obama or McKinney? And uh, the only thing that made me change my mind, my heart was to vote McKinney. And I don't know if you guys can go back to look at her platform, but the only reason why I voted for Barack Obama is because I selfishly said, if this man makes history, <laughs> I wanted to be you a part be of a it. Part of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I wanted to be a part of it, and it was a that's what, it was a selfish thought, but I, my heart was with McKinney in yeah. the Green Party platform of yeah. 2008. Rosa Clemente, who's big in the academic world and in the hip hop world. Uh, as far as theory and all that, she was the vice presidential nominee. I just liked how all that kind of came together. Yeah, how it all came together. Yeah. And it was like, oh, like I like the radical thought process of just how you select your candidates, yeah. how y'all teaming up. And uh, I still follow McKinney. I actually met her. She came to Temple and uh, I had her take a picture of my daughter, um, my oldest daughter at the time. And I remember like Cynthia McKinney, I was feeling her. Mm. So that, Voted for Obama. Next go round, I voted for uh, President Obama again against uh, Romney. 
and then uh, against Clinton, I, I voted for uh, Jill Stein. Oh, so you went third party. I went third party. Uh, I'm in Green Party you this went past year. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But understanding the Electoral College and understanding how that works in New York, I knew if it was Hil- a throwaway vote. Right. Like yeah. if Hillary, but if Hillary won. So when people say, yo, Weldon, your vote was a vote for Trump, I was like, nah, do you know how the Electoral College works? Yeah. yeah. Even though I voted for Jill Stein, Hillary won New York and got all the electoral points in New York. So. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so that brings us, I think, to the other situation that is looming over our general election Mm -hmm. is the electoral college right right? and whether or not it's a viable system anymore or if it should be abolished right because the electoral the way the voting system works now it's only a few states that really make the difference in the presidential election right Mm -hmm. it's those blue purple states that they call the one that wavers between red Mm -hmm. and blue sometimes and you know a lot of them are what florida Texas, Arizona, uh, Minnesota, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Mm -hmm. right? There's only a handful of these states that tip the balance in terms of the electoral college um, for the general election. So, you know, the question is, what do you guys feel? Do you feel that the electoral college should be abolished and we should just go popular vote all the way? Yeah, I don't understand why every other election, every other person we vote for, is based on the popular vote, except for the president and the vice president. I don't get it. Mm. I don't understand it. I think the root of the electoral college is based in, uh, you know, what they use for the excuse now is these states that are not as populated, right? right? If you went popular vote, then these candidates would only visit, visit these most populous states right. and the little states. So what, as a result, the electoral college waits the vote differently right. so my vote in montana is weighted heavier right than here in new york right. right but i still think i think we need to popular vote it i don't yeah see i don't it. see how straight up and down i think now that we have the ability to count votes straight up and down whereas in you know 1776 or you know 1780 might have been impossible hmm it's very easy to do now. You can count each vote now. So you think we don't need the weighted system because we can get each vote pretty accurately? Yeah. I think the weighted system, the electoral college does not equate to, you know, one man, one vote. Right. It doesn't. Right. It weighs, your vote is weighted differently depending on what state you are. Right. So my one vote in another state might be weighted differently than my one vote here. So I think we right. just... And then why don't you weight the vote to how um, prolific that state is as far as producing money? Like, why am I... <laughs> why is a Mississippi, you know, broke state vote the same amount as a, a state... Like a, a debt state, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Why they should... consume more federal resources right. like, uh, than they produce. Right. Right. If you want to go by something that's tangible, you could go by economics, No. If that's if you wanted to create a weighted system, but I yeah, my right. thing is or why, a more yeah. fairly weighted. System. Yeah, a more right. fairly weighted. But at this point, why even have a weighted system? Everybody, what we need to figure out, what this nation is going to have to figure out, they are going to have to do something about because our voting 
our fo- uh, our political efficacy, our voting participation sucks compared to other nations. Yeah, yeah, because a lot of other nations are compelled to vote. Like Australia, yeah. you yeah. have to vote, or otherwise you're fined or jailed. Right? Oh, really? Yeah, oh, I did not know that. It's, some, it's something. It's either Australia or New Zealand, but yeah. That's but they good. make great. They make voting hard here. So like, you don't get no day off. Yeah. They your voting hours could be your work hours. Right. I mean, we got to figure out a way to make voting. And this is something that in my study, I feel conservatives are more troubled with, right? They're more, they, they, they are more fearful of opening up the voting rolls. They want to keep it rigid and restricted to a certain group of people because the more you open up, right, the more diverse it's going to be, right. the, the higher the probability that that pool of people are going to be liberal in their thinking just by the mere fact of their makeup, right? right. <laughs> it's going to bring some kind of progressive liberal thought. So... But we have to figure out a way as a nation to make voting easier. We're going to have to figure out a way to, I think, get rid of this electoral college. If we, I think we should have a voting holiday. If we got to still come to polls, you got to you got to shut down work. Well, I think it's going to be interesting uh, this election season, given the whole COVID situation, right? Mm-hmm. Because one, people are many more people are out of work, right? Mm-hmm. So they're going to have more opportunity to vote. Mm-hmm. Uh, two, a lot of people are working from home, so the travel situation is not as bad, mm-hmm. right? But three, it's really going to be kind of a a, a, a use case or a, a, a precursor to that election holiday that you're talking about because we'll see the participation rates and what they look like in a similar type of situation. So it may propel mm-hmm. us to give a voting holiday. And mm-hmm. at the same time, you're going to have less polls open because yeah. states are not going to. I think I saw some. Because like, of COVID. Yeah, COVID. Yeah. They're not going to open up as many polls. Yeah. I think like Georgia's going to use uh, wherever the Hawks play. Yeah. Something like that. But again, there's going to be so many nuances that we have to pay attention. But I think at the end of the day, we got to figure out how to make voting easier for folks. Yes. Right. Um, but again, I, I think that that idea is something conservatives dread because. Yeah, and the example is restricting absentee or mail-in ballots because of the fear that it will open up to a wider um, number of people to Mm -hmm. be able to vote and that wider number of people will bear out that the diversity and the wants and the needs are not in the direction uh, that they want the conservatives want to go right yeah right yeah man well i I mean i hope i can get more excited between now and November. I'm not excited, man. <laughs> this, I feel like this vote is a vote out of necessity more than any other vote. I've. In my life, in yeah. my voting life. Yeah. Right. This is just. Yeah. And and people say it all the time. Like, you got to vote. Like, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm tired of Puffy. He's been doing that vote or die since Kerry. <laughs> I'm, I'm tired. I mean, I'm every time, I mean, he speaks out every four years about an election. And I'm always, yo, this is the one. Yo, this is the one we really need. Yo, come on, Puffy, come on. Yeah. Well, I don't think he's geared towards our age demographics anyway. No, not us. But he's always saying something around this time. Revolt TV. Now it's having, I saw some, you know, look, come on. We got to get him out the vote. We got to get him. The, this is the year. This is the one. Well, you've been saying that since Kerry. But all I'm saying is. Um, yeah, this one I feel is like very important to the point where, you know, I'm normally looking at what the third party candidate is doing, but I feel like Trump has put me at a point where I can't risk him getting back. And I don't feel, again, being in New York and the way the electoral college votes, I feel like it don't matter. You still gotta. Yeah. I know I'm going to, I'm going to fill out the bet, but I know history of New York, we're going to support the democratic nominee. There's electoral count. Yeah. 
but I'm saying at this point, I'm thinking about now who they appoint to these lifetime positions. Yeah. That's why I'm like, I can't risk, we can't risk Trump because he's putting out people in there that even when he's gone, they'll leave a Trump legacy because he of appointed course. them in lifetime positions. Of course. Mm-hmm. Of course. It's like they owe him a debt, so they have to live on that legacy. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I'm going to vote, man. I guess. No, I'm just going to vote. <laughs> but we got to do a better job of getting folks that represent us. I just can't get over that fact that there's two white men over 70. That's our choices. Well, yeah. we saw what happened on the Democratic side. Uh, Democrat side. Yeah. But Very I think both parties should look at themselves like this is a daggone shame. But this this is what I was referring to is yeah. that is those internal processes that get people uh, nominated the mm. nominees we don't have enough visibility into and even and if know, bernie won and you know they didn't really even look at themselves like that no and that's the last I'm, one and bernie had progressive ad i mean uh progressive thoughts and ideologies but i'm still like his vice president his vice his vp choice would have mattered to me because yeah. he's old like, yeah i can't see bernie sanders <laughs> doing two years they're all old <laughs> yeah but that's what i'm saying like who do we think biden is going to run for re-election at 80? I don't think so. I don't think we want him to. Yeah, we haven't had any president. Yeah. I think he and Trump, Trump was the oldest person to ever become president. Yeah. So whoever wins this election is going to be the oldest person to be elected. Yeah. And I mean, how in the world does that age number keep going up and the demographic, like, come on, man. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> we got to do something. This is a sign that, well, like you gotta said. we got to change up the primary exactly. process. We got to make it more I think the whole process. Yeah. 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 It has to be open. Yeah. I really think we need to get rid of parties. Yeah, that's definitely. And I don't know how we do that exactly, but we got to get rid where people can say, I'm running on this platform. But It's I difficult because yeah, it I is. think it's more in line with human tribal nature mm-hmm. to align themselves with group. a group. Yeah, yeah. Right? We we see it in sports. It's always a two-on-two. We never, what sport you know is a three, three, one-on-one-on-one, on one, you know what I'm saying? Three teams <laughs> playing at the same time against one another. It's always one team versus another, you know, one-on-one. On one. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, it, it's just a, an evolution of who we are to be tribal. So I don't think we, it's going to be real difficult. It's going to go against our natural inclinations to have, to get rid of uh, the two-party system. And if, yeah, yeah. Because I was going to say, if you're going to have parties, then you got to create a way where it can't just be two parties. Let the workers and family party be able to run, have a, a a legitimate run at the White House. Let the Green Party have a legitimate run at the White House. Let the Libertarian Party have a legitimate run at the White House. If you if we're gonna stick with these parties, the two party system is the problem. I can tell you one thing, mm-hmm. specific thing that needs to change in the primary process are the debates. Oh yeah, the debate. The form of the debate is a horrible form. You have, what, 40 seconds to give your answer on a topic that affects 300 million people in the United States, right, against nine other people who are on the stage. Like, I feel like we need more long form, sit down one-on-one, expound on your answers type of interview. and and then we can have two on twos, right? Like or one on ones, like debates where one person goes against another, and then do the combinations. It's it's got to change because we're just getting sound bites at this point. Yeah, but I don't know if you can because I don't know if 
the, I, or I feel like the American public doesn't have the attention span for that. I also feel like we let too many people run for president in the Democratic Party this go around. We had like when it no, started like out. 20, no, right? no, no. You're supposed to, the whole idea is that anyone can become president. No, no, no. I get that. I'm talking about so you that, can't have the way they tried to structure their debates to include anybody to include everybody, there has to be a better way to go about that. To the point where you can't say you got 40 seconds to answer this question. Now, maybe that means you got to schedule more debate times and you break down. I don't know how you do it. You break maybe that long. And I hear what you're saying about the mm-hmm. attention span. Yeah. But that's the things that come with, you know, democracy. If that's if you're trying to have a democratic process. One one thing that other countries do um, is have a defined period in the year where you can start your running for whatever office. Right. Mm-hmm. So say. Your election is in November. The whole process starts in maybe June or May. And you only have from that time mm. to the election to get your point across. Mm. So it's not this process that's been drawn out. Like pres- president gets elected. He starts, you know, it's his first term. Mm-hmm. He starts his whole campaign process shortly after <laughs> he's elected day. to his first term. <laughs> right. You know, and that other countries, your campaign you have a limited window in which mm-hmm. you can run this campaign, mm-hmm. which I think by, you know, by definition, it will weed out a larger number of candidates mm-hmm. because you just don't have enough time. And then I think you have to have different formats in order to get your points across. It's not these 40-second sound bites. I think here that would increase can- in can- your candidates because then you can just raise money in the off season. And when the season starts, you hit the ground running. Mm. I think we got to do something. We <laughs> got, gotta, yeah, I hear you. I, we got to do something. Same way we got to do something against uh, billionaires increasing their pay. Yeah, we got yeah. We got to do something. We, gotta, we don't know what yeah. it is just yet. Yeah. We got to figure out how you don't have to be a millionaire or a billionaire to run for office. Right? I think we got to figure that out. Yeah. So, because can you, you can't legitimately run for office unless you got money or you're able to get it. None of us here could run a national campaign. No, absolutely not. I right. couldn't even run a campaign in my living room. So we got to. F- <laughs> but I would vote for y'all on the ticket. <laughs> Speeding ticket, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's you know, get up, get excited. I guess find a way to because this 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 election is important, and I can understand uh, people of color, younger people may not be excited, but. Believe it or not, man, it's necessary. Even if you don't look at this as an excitement vote, look at it as a necessity, man. Yeah, involvement in the system is how you can change the system. Come come out, do something. Yeah, but hold people accountable to a plan, too. Because we can't just be excited about winning something. We got to no. have a plan going but forward. But that's, that's, well, that, yeah. You can't, you shouldn't vote for somebody unless you know what you're voting for as well. So do your due diligence, folks. Because, you already seen with the last four years, if that's what you like, then I know who you voting for. But if that's not who you like, we got some work to do. Get that man out. Yeah, man. Let us know your thoughts. Where's that at? Where they can let us know? Three Kings at? Yeah, yeah hit us at three kings at three kings com. Yeah, that's our email address. And then you can hit us at three kings talk on Instagram. Yo, follow us on Instagram, man. Come on. Yeah, ask questions. Ask questions. Dying to hear your questions. Yes, sir. Peace, King. Peace, Kings. Peace, Kings. Love you, brothers. Love you, too, man.